Welcome back to Startup. I'm your host, Alex Bloomberg. And for the past three episodes, I've been telling you the story of how our first fiction podcast, Homecoming, became an Amazon original television series. This is the fourth and final episode of our series. And on today's show, I sit down with some of the stars of the Homecoming TV show to talk about how they came to the project and what it was like working on it. First, I talked to Sam Esmail, the director of the show, and Julia Roberts, who plays the lead role of Heidi Bergman. Uh, Julia Roberts is an actor. I'm just joking. You guys know who Julia Roberts is. We sat in a small conference room together, all three of us. And Julia kicked things off by telling me the story of how she first heard the podcast. She'd been sent a link to the show so she could download the episode. And she was at home, as she explained in a previous episode, sorting Legos in her son's bedroom while she listened. And she was really enjoying it. But she told me she's not a super tech-savvy person. And when it came to the last episode, I couldn't get it to play, and I never finished it. You never listened to the— I never knew what happened. Wow. And I didn't really know what happened until I read Read the script script. you sent me. (laughs) So it might have ended very differently in the podcast. I wouldn't know. (laughs) Um, Who sent you that link? My agent. Your agent. And you must be getting things like this all the time. Like, how how many projects are you getting pitched This is so daily? cool. I, have, I don't know the answer to this. Isn't it this, funny? This is it's so this fascinating. This is the secret side. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I'm lucky enough to get asked to do all kinds of things. and um, But I also, if I were to be honest, over a 30-year career, I could build a house out of the scripts I didn't read. Um because you just can't. Um, And for me, if I start a script, I have to finish it, unlike my podcast, apparently. So for this, it was one of those things I said, yeah, it's cool. It sounds super interesting. And like most of these conversations, then they kind of just drift away. And a bunch of people, it's part of their daily conversation. And it's not anything to me until weeks or sometimes months down the road. And they say... Okay, so Sam Esmail is going to do this and wants to talk to you. Okay, so then it just starts to get fun because before it's just a conversation. Do you like something? Yeah, I like it. Right. So that's when you get someone like Sam Esmail to sweeten the pot. <laughs> and that's when I get someone like Julia Roberts. <laughs> so, um, all right. I want to um, talk to you about uh, feelings. If that's okay. You've come to the right place. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to talk to you about, like, your experience in the production. And just sort of, like, I don't know, when I'm working on a big project, there's, like, all this self-doubt. And there's all this, like, sleepless nights. And it's such this crazy emotional roller coaster. And I was like, did you have, like, sleepless nights, like, during the shoot? Like, where you're like, oh, is this going to work? Is this coming together or, or No. Um, for whatever reason on this show, because we had such great support from Amazon, because we had an excellent crew from top to bottom, because the cast is just a luxury that, I mean, it's just beyond the pale. I mean, you can't, I mean, the cast is brilliant. Um, the anxiety of, are we going to pull this off? Or are we go- I just knew we would because we, you know, we did every day uh-huh. um, beyond my expectations. And we were just talking about this. I was waiting for the other shoe to drop at some point, and that just never happened. It just, uh, it, was, it, was, it was a really fulfilling creative experience. That's crazy. Is that, so how typical is that in your experience, Julia? That would be um, not typical. <laughs> 
It's kind of a, I think it's kind of a unicorn. It is so a unicorn. It, it's oh, kind well of a expressed, unicorn. There you go. Uh, it, Homecoming. It's a unicorn. <laughs> I see the poster. <laughs> and, and it felt that way to you? It really did. I mean, I think Sam is incredibly good at understanding people and how we work and what makes people um, as highly creative as they can be and and as highly motivated as they can be. To hear you both talk, it really does sound like you both... It was really this sort of like almost instant cre- creative coming together in a weird way. Is that, has that happened before? Is that like, was that unusual? Oh, it's, I, I mean, I've done one movie and I've done one television show outside of this. So my experience is limited. But the fact that she and I hit it off so quickly, so early is practically unheard of. One of the great things that came out of working on this particular show for me was that Sam and I kind of became friends so quickly and then quickly kind of brought our true lives together so that when I was at work, he knew that I was at work after dropping three kids off at school or getting four dogs walked or, you know, that my husband was out of town working. And, you know, so he knows all the things that that are in my we were, fr- we were friends. Yeah. We were not coworkers. And it's we were, really helpful. We were friends. Right. Why is it helpful? Um, I just think that it adds a layer of complexity to the way that we relate to each other and how I think how he can talk to me because he understands exactly my point of entry from all the doorways in my life. Um, I, Sam and I, are, I think, are uniquely... Uh, consistently happy people. I think that's one of the things that we have the deepest in common is that we're both, like, super happy people. I mean, the first thing we do is, like... We yell. We yell each other's (laughs) names. And then we hug. And then we hug. (laughs) It's true. Every day. Yeah. Um, Uh... I'm really bummed that you're both both really happy people. That's really that <laughs> I know. Really I makes know you want to hear for me. <laughs> some more stories, but and honestly, it was a shocker for me too because I, you know, I I just assumed you know uh, the going's going to get tough at some point, uh-huh. but it just uh, it just didn't. Yeah. Um, is there? Um, do you remember a time on set when the two of you are working like that? You can point to specifically where you're like, this is the thing I love about what I'm doing. Well, for me, I think there were a, a, actually I'm sure there were many. more than one time because Sam would set, he would almost like set us up to fail because there would be so many moving parts. Like he would give me so many words to say and then so many props to manage and so many stairs to walk down and so many, so many things for the the dolly grip to have to avoid and corners and bumps and things and we're down a hallway and down some stairs and you know what let's we're gonna walk outside and oh it happens to be raining that day and you know and he does all these things and then if we can actually you know it's like okay John Meng who was our dolly grip amazing amazing legendary guy we would do some of these unbelievable tasks for Sam (laughs) and like Peter would say cut and then Mango and I would just look at each other and just wait for Sam to go, great. <laughs> and sometimes he'd say in a way, and Mango would go, we're going again. Yeah, I 
think we are. We'd go back to our, you know, okay, what could we do? So when I came around that corner and we would be trying to like, how could we make it better to get that sound out of Sam, which is what we were all living for. And he would just set up so many incredibly creative obstacles for us to accomplish that when we really accomplished them, I mean, you would just go home just radiating. It was such a great feeling. So it was like the harder he made it, the more you enjoyed it. Yeah. Isn't that... That's weird. Up. <laughs> <laughs> but look at his face. Look oh, at his yeah. face. He could ask you to like go through an alligator river and you just look at his face and go, I'll try. <laughs> Good to know. Um, well, I want to talk to you about like, um, you know, I come from more of a creator background. I worked at This American Life for a long, long time. I was a producer, a reporter. I did like long documentaries and stuff like that. But now I'm running this company. And so like the, the sort of the central tension is sort of that I'm gripped with is like art and commerce together. How do you make it, how do you make it work? To me, the minute you start worrying how many people will, will this resonate with or how many people will this you know, uh, attract or what is a demographic of whatever it is you're doing. I think once you go down that road, it's a fail. I think creatively, when you start to compromise authenticity for what you think people will like or what you think people will want, um, or when you start editing yourself because that's too scary and you think that will scare people off, I think the work suffers, the art suffers. Um, and my core belief is what people want is a, is is maybe something they don't realize and that you just have to run with that and say if you make good art even if it's scary to people even if it's challenging for people they will come because it's in its core a genuine experience from the creator that's why i want to talk about it because like that was at this american life that was very much you know our credo like we sort of like we 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 were making it for ourselves. Like we had to love the thing that we were doing yes. in order to like make it and we were making it for ourselves. We weren't like thinking about like, oh, is the audience gonna like it if we put this line in here? But now that I'm running a company, you do have to think about the audience, obviously. It has to be like you need the commercial successes to to pay for the creative successes. Um and I'm 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 just sort of wrestling with that. But I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, if you're forcing that, if you're trying to if you're trying to build it in that manner, I think you're just going to fall into you know fall into trouble. Um, that might be naive and idealistic or uh, or whatever. But I think that to me is just on this end, that's the only way I can sort of reconcile it with myself. The priority to me is make good things, and good things will hopefully happen. After the break, I sit down with Julia Roberts' co-star, Stefan James, who plays Walter Cruz. My name is Stefan James. I'm an actor, and we were talking about Homecoming, where I play Walter Cruz. Um, talk to me about it from your perspective. How did you first become aware of this project? Where were you? Uh, where was I? Um, I was probably in New York sometime last year, and uh, my manager had told me about a podcast, he sent it to me, and he said, man, they're going to be making this really cool show about this podcast, Homecoming. You should definitely listen to it. And, uh, and you know, I sort of held it off. I was working on something else at the time, and he, you know, he kept mentioning, man, you got to listen to it. You got to listen to it. I'm telling you, we're about to get scripts on this thing. It's going to be great. And at this point, what do you know about podcasts? 
Um, not a whole lot. Have you I, listened to one? I hadn't listened to one. Um, and what was the image in your mind that you had of them? Be honest. Mm, I just pictured a bunch of guys. I pictured the radio without the music. <laughs> so a lot of talking. <laughs> the radio without the thing that makes it good. <laughs> exactly. It felt like it was going to be like a, a research thing, something I had to do for, you know, character. You know, I, needless to say, I didn't even think about whether I'd enjoy it or not. I yeah. just, I was like, oh, I'll listen to it when I, when I get to it. You have to read this policy paper. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, uh, so yeah, no, I, I listened to it. I started listening to it and, um, I was just consumed by it. Really, I was. It was, um, you know, there's really something interesting about voices. And, and I'm an actor, so obviously I pay attention to a lot of visual type of things. And, um, you know, so visual imagery means a lot to me. But there's really something about just hearing voices and hearing dialogue and um, and building imagery in your in your head, in your brain that... that I, f I found was a very, um, I actually enjoyed it. And I was actually, you know, engulfed in it and, and on the edge of my seat. And I realized, oh, this is something I could do while I was doing other things. This is something I could do when I'm on the go, like when I'm in the car somewhere. Um, you know, <laughs> we might I mean? want to use that for, the, for our commercial on podcasting that we eventually okay, all right. We'll, we'll save, that, save that segment for later. Yeah. You, yeah. So, so you, you were engrossed, you, you enjoyed it. Yeah. And then what did you do? Um, and then I said, look, man, like, <laughs> What, what can we do? Can we get scripts? I want to. I want to read this thing. I want to see what it's what it's like. And eventually, we got a script. And I thought it was so beautifully written. Um, really struck me as like probably one of the best things I'd read the entire year. Really. And um, I think the the one thing that really attracted me to it was just it was so conversational. And as an actor, that's so attractive to me. Just the the conversation elements of it. I like the fact that, you know, people were jumping on each other when they were talking in the podcast and if I tell you, are you gonna have me moved and take all my stuff? Walter, come on. Look, no. I saw those guys cleaning out his room, even his harmonica. They just threw it in a garbage bag. Why why couldn't he bring that with him? Wherever he's going. I can talk to the intake people. No, no, that's not that's not the point. What is the point? And, uh, you know, that sort of, it, it creates an element of authenticity that I felt like could really translate well to the show. When you learned that it's like Sam Esmail and that Julia Roberts is attached, like, does that, do you remember where you were when that, when you learned of that? Is that like, is it memorable? Um, I definitely remember the conversation I had and it was just very, very exciting. You know, you get on a conference call with your reps and, and, it, and it's like, you know, Sam Eshmael's doing it. Like, this is Mr. Robot. Like, you know, to me, he always struck me as a very big director, an ambitious director. And, and that's something I got to learn even more working with him. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, knowing that, uh, you know, I thought about, wait, Julia Roberts? And I, I thought to myself, has she ever even done television? And, you know, maybe I'm too young to even remember, but I can't recall her doing any sort of television. So that was another element that that was so exciting to me. Um, is, is, is anybody been intimidating? I mean, she's been like a star. She's like the biggest star in Hollywood for, you know, decades. Like, how, is, is it intimidating? No intimidation whatsoever. No, no I'm joking. <laughs> um, maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. It's, you know what, it's, uh, I always say this. I, you know, I know when I'm working on something really, really great, when I get like this nervous energy, this nervous excitement when I go into work. And uh, and so waking up at six, seven to, to go into the lot to shoot these scenes with Sam and, and Julia and 98% of my stuff was just with, Julia in a room. And uh, and so to, to know that that's what I was doing every day, it made it very, very exciting. Yes, you know, there was a lot of nervous energy, but, you know, as an actor, you can't ask for a better scene partner than Julia Roberts. Mm -hmm. The other thing I'm interested in is like craft and hearing people talk about their craft, because that's at the center of success. Um, 
for you personally as as an actor on a on a project like this like do you is there something like getting in the flow you know like in the zone or there's something that's going on where like all of a sudden all cylinders are clicking does that happen as an actor and how do you know it's happening yeah it's like it's it's like a thing where you realize that you have less questions you know I, I i find that there's less and less that i have to ask there's more that i sort of just understand mm-hmm. questions about like why why is my character doing this yeah. that sort of thing yeah motivations and you know i got to a certain point with walter where you know i was already walter cruz and so there was very little that anyone could tell me to to shape him one way or the other i'd already made him who he who he was yeah so what's your biggest worry now when you finish a project like that what's your biggest fear I don't think I worry about anything. I'm, I've been pretty good about. <laughs> uh, honestly, How can no, I feel like you? Well, you know what? It's it's. I've learned uh, that there's only so much that we have control over in this business. So, yeah. um, you know, me and and Julia and Sam, we've all sort of done our our parts, and now right. it's going to come out to the world, and the world will, you know, take it as as they will. But it's going to do what it's going to do. Hopefully, people uh, like it, enjoy it, but. If I was stressed out about every project I finished, then I'd have no hair. So, yeah. <laughs> and right. you never really know. I don't think anyone ever really knows how anything's going to be received. But mm-hmm. uh, one thing I do know for sure was I just had an incredible, incredible time working with these guys. Um, I felt like the luckiest guy in the world. And even if no one watches it, I'm happy with the experience. <laughs> That concludes our fourth and final episode in this special startup mini-season about the making of the Homecoming TV show. The next season of Startup launches very soon, next Friday, November 9th. Lisa Chow and the startup team embed with a rapidly growing organization that is trying to fix one of the oldest and thorniest problems in America, education. Lisa and the team go behind the scenes to see what this organization is doing to achieve some pretty remarkable results for kids who often get overlooked. And they also talk to critics who think the organization is breaking public education. That season launches very soon, November 9th. This episode of Startup was hosted by me, Alex Bloomberg, and produced by Stevie Lane. We were edited by Devin Taylor. Mark Phillips wrote and performed our theme song. Build Buildings wrote and performed our special ad music. Peter Leonard and Sam Baer mixed this episode. To subscribe to Startup, you can go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. Or check us out on the Gimlet website, gimletmedia.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Podcast Startup. Thanks for listening.